Brown rice, it's the bits of brown rice it in is. it. They're multi and delicious. That make it super good. Now, I often have to tell people how to pronounce my last name, so I think once and for all, you should give us the primer. Gunsberg, my last name is Brackenzeek. Brackenzeek? Brackenzeek. Bra? Yeah. Brackenzeek? Yeah. And the Australized version? Oh, Brackenzeek? <laughs> no, Brackenzeek. Is that the best one you've got? A Brackenziak? Brackenziak is, that... is a pretty common bad one. Yeah. 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 I used to get, uh, I've got Gunsberry. Gunsberry? That... Gunsberry, considering there's no <laughs> Y in the back of my name. Uh, I actually have had Brackenberry. Brackenberry? Yep. Broken back. Really? Sorry, go back to you. Yeah, tell Pardon? me. You've got last name off, so I like this. I've got yeah, no one else yeah. I can usually uh, share like, this with. This is like in Brisbane, both my parents are doctors. We get letters from like... Really important people who should probably have their shit together when it comes yeah. to their mailing lists. And the, the best one, I think, yeah, I think it was Goonsbury. It was G-O-O-N-S-B-E-R-R-Y. Perfect. That's How it. they got that from Ginsburg, which is you with an umlaut. Yeah. I think Aussies don't understand umlauts, so. though. Yeah, nobody no, understands no, umlauts. That's omelets here. Yeah. <laughs> Two fried eggs, sunny side up. <laughs> and you've, but you've got, you've got lots of vowels at the start of you, because the umlaut freaks people out. Yeah. But do people get more freaked out by the double A or the... E-I at the end. I think the I-E-E-I is a really freaky, yeah, that's like, and the C-K, double A, it's not too, I mean, people who are Dutch or Afrikaans know that that means it's a Dutch Afrikaans name because it's, to my knowledge, the only language that has double A's is Dutch or Afrikaans. But yeah, they can't even say Annelies. They go Annelies. I usually get Annelies. I get a lot of Annelies. That's normal. Talking to Anna Louise Brackenziak. I'm like, I've never heard of her. President. <laughs> I used to dread roll call yeah. at school when they got to my name. Because yeah. also, like, I'm in a, you know, Christian Brothers Boys School and they get uh, to Ginsburg and they're like, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, honey, you should have come to Steiner School because everyone was a Brackenziak. You know, we had lots of Skies and we had Gronjas and we had... We had everyone. Chad, I didn't know Sophia. what a Steiner school was until my buddy went to go and learn how to be a teacher at a Steiner really? school. I grew up in Brisbane, babe. Brisbane? It was Brisneyland when I lived there. Ah, that's yeah, cute. Absolutely. But um, we'll get to your schooling, which yep. is kind of interesting. But I'm really grateful you're here today because you are a very, very interesting Australian person. Why, thank you so well, much. you are. Honey. Because, <laughs> but there's not many people who came into the public eye doing the job you came into the mm. public eye doing who have managed to transition that into like mm. a full-time career still two decades later. Now, you just start when you're very, very young, <laughs> which you'll get to. I was going to say, what, two years ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, no, no. But that, that's a, that's a f- f- phenomenal achievement. Thank you, sir. Phenomenal achievement for you. I appreciate it. I, look, I'm, I'm stoked to be asked here. And I have to say, I pinch myself often because it's been, although, as you know, there's a lot of sides to it that at times can be gruelling and trying and um, make you feel intimidated and sometimes lonely, all those things that are kind of, I think, very well documented these days, um, mm. particularly in the modelling industry and travelling a lot, you know, incessant travelling. Um, but I am so bloody lucky and I'm so blessed and I have never had a real job. <laughs> and I'm lucky. 
<laughs> well, you say that though. Never had a real job. I I think of what's scarier, mm. clocking into a nine to five when you're getting a regular paycheck. You know how much you're going to get paid every yeah, week, yeah, yeah. every yeah. month, every year. You know when your holidays are. You know when your holiday pay is. You know your job's going to be there when you come back from holidays or maternity. Um, you know that there's a clear way that you can work your way up in that existing business structure. Or I don't know how I'm going to pay December's rent. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to make this thing that I'm working on right now work. Yeah. For me, that's a braver choice, a scarier choice, and a more full-on choice. <laughs> but that's no, so what I would say is what yeah. you do is, it, is as real as it gets is that you have to hustle yeah. every day. You don't rely on someone above you in a corporate structure to do the hustling to create the business. No, but I think, though, in that sense, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, when I say not, I'm, you know, I'm saying it from, I guess, my mother's perspective and a lot of other people's perspective. But it is definitely real. It's, it's what I've chosen. It's what I love. It gives me the freedom to be able to um, practice yoga, you know, cook beautiful food, travel the world, learn languages, do all the things that for me are my reality and yeah. without them I wouldn't be who I am. And so, but like you're saying, there's so much that comes with that and I think a lot of self-pressure um, because you haven't got anyone to, you don't have sick pay, you don't have holiday leave, you, do, you know, it's, you've got to do it all yourself. So you've got to do it all yourself. It makes you, um, it makes you work harder. Now, I've, written my notes out. I'm very interested about talking to you today, but yes. I, I discovered that you and I, bizarrely, are actually quite close genetically. Are we? When it comes from where we came from. Really? Your mum's Czech. Yes. Your father's Norwegian. Yeah. My dad's Czech. My mum's Lithuanian. No way. So very, pretty close. <laughs> That's really close. We're like one Viking ship away. <laughs> One raiding party away. <laughs> One rape and pillage. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to say that, but let's be honest, that's how a lot of Northern Europe's genetics got spread around. That is. Um, yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah, See, totally. I thought that you were half German. No, it's my father. It came down from my father's side. Right. Right genes, wrong chromosomes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I came down my father's. My father's the Ginsberg and my grandfather's the Ginsberg. Right. So, and then my mom, the Lithuanian, yeah, yeah. married the, the Czech. Wow. The handsome Czech man with about 100 words of English that she met at a party at the hospital. One of them consisting of a bowling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My big brother is an Ibiza baby and I'm a Santorini baby. Nice. My big brother's born in April and I'm born in March, so we were both summer, northern summer um, holiday Love children. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like this style of island as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were doctors. It was the early 70s. That's what they wanted to do. So you mentioned that you went to a Steiner school. I don't think I, but I don't think our childhoods could have been any, any more different. For folks that don't know what a Steiner school, all I know about Steiner schools mm-hmm. or Steiner is that there's a great cafe called, cafe called Elderberries on Sunset Boulevard. And they make amazing vegan food and they're kind of yep. based in the Steiner in the d- ethos. Okay. Which is... Biodynamic. A, a bigger pardon? Or biodynamic. Oh, yeah. It's mm. great. It's mm. great. And mm. that's... And that my friend who went to teach at a Steiner school said, oh, there's no parallel walls. That's all I know about it. Yeah, that's true. So what's a Steiner school? That's an school? interesting point to take out of it. A Steiner school is the most wonderful, um, wonderful education I could ever, ever dream of receiving and I'm I'm so grateful to my mum for putting me through that. It's uh Rudolf Steiner is an Austrian philosopher. He devised biodynamic farming. He's um I mean it's so difficult to put this into a few words, but anthroposophically um I guess it's all about as it's you know, it's teaching these philosophies to children so they can grow up and 
help the world, I guess. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of art, a lot of music. We all have a garden space. It's very much um, about learning about nature, respecting nature. It's not about competition with anyone else other than yourself. Um, and it's pretty magical. It's, yeah. Wow. Where was that in Australia? Um, there's quite a few. I went, the main one that I went to was in Galston, which at the time was country, which is now subdivided, lovely red brick houses. Um, <laughs> in a sort of which city? Oh, north-west of Sydney. Oh, right, okay. Galston. Galston Gorge, have you heard of that? I'm from Brisbane, mate. Oh, I moved to Piermont and then to Bondi. I don't go, <laughs> I don't go west of the Anzac Bridge. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, and there's one in Bellingen and Thora Valley um, and then one in Byron. But they're, I mean, they're all over the world. And I also right. went to one in Austria for a while in Wien and in Germany. Damn. Yeah. So, but I mean, it was wonderful and it just instills this incredible, I mean, for me, I'm an artistic person and I guess I'm not a very... Um, person that deals with conformity and things like that. So it was really good for me. Did you ever go to a regular school? Did you ever had any experience? What? Oh, I I tell a lie. I did in year 11. Um, My mother and I had a bit of a misunderstanding. And so I was, yes, told to leave home. And then I had to go to a state school. What was that like? You've been, you've, so you've been in the Steiner School. I'm guessing you call your teachers by the first name, that kind of yes. thing. Yes, okay. and you don't wear uniforms, and it's all, you know, it's all about love. And I mean, I thought everyone was vegetarian and believed in karma and the afterlife. I just didn't understand that just wasn't normal. Hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on one second. So I'm, this apartment's rented for <laughs> me for the, for the for work, and I, no one knows the home phone number, but oh. people still call it. Uh, I'm yet to should pick we, up. Shall we pick up? No way. No? Okay. Get on some telemarketing. I'll just list. slurp one more time. So, so you thought that everyone, because as a kid, you believe that everyone's experience is kind of similar to your experience and it's not, because well, your world exists with your family and then your friends and then you start to yeah, understand that other people philosophy. live different lives. Yeah. When did you first understand that your education was different from everybody oh, else's? Oh, the first day I stepped on the school bus going to Galston High. People had to wear uniforms. People so were 15 or 16 by the time this happened? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty hectic. Um, you had to wear a uniform. Of course, I chopped mine up and made it extraordinarily short and made, you know, pleats and God knows what to it. The fashion um, designing started early, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and I just couldn't believe that our, and I'm so, Entschuldigung, Sie bitte, Frau Roberts, if you're listening to this, but our German teacher, Sie hat Deutsch, Sie gesprochen, was du, und Sie hat da, Ihr Name was, Frau Roberts. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, she wasn't German. She spoke, you know, it was just like a very different um, mentality to schooling than what I'd, you know, um, experienced. And there was, you know, kids beating people up and heads flushed down toilets. And also there were some awesome, awesome people. Amazing. Like, I've still got very good friends from Galston High, and don't get me wrong, but it was very different. People couldn't wait to get out of class, whereas I used to cry at the beginning of school holidays because I couldn't fathom having to have six weeks away from my teachers and my friends. Wow. So it was a completely different mentality about schooling and education and yeah. the love of education, love of literature. Yeah. Like no one, when they say, well, you, what, you want to read for fun? Are you crazy? Like it was just very different. Yeah, right. So yeah, I learned quick smart that I was possibly not so normal. And <laughs> at that point when I was getting screamed at, you bloody hippie or God knows <laughs> like, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. I am, I guess, <laughs> with my rainbows and my crystals yeah. and my hennaed hair. And I a- guess a- I- a- ab- <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, we'll get to this in a little bit, but yeah. 
for anybody that doesn't know, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, you happen to be a very, very, very beautiful woman. Uh, and you are married to an equally beautiful, wonderful, wonderful man who I happen to know. I'm sure that everyone would agree he's probably the luckiest man on the planet. <laughs> but at what point in your life did you start to realize this, oh, I look different and men react differently to mm. me? Um. I was, you know, my mother, I guess, tried to keep me extraordinarily humble and was um, not exactly forthcoming in compliments. It was quite the opposite. So I had no idea that I was um, considered good looking until I was scouted on Bondi Beach by a photographer. So you've got you to tell me this story. How old were you? 15. So you're 15 years old mm. and a stranger walks up to you mm. and says... Hello. <laughs> he was like, I, I cannot stop looking at you. You're beautiful. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I'm like, oh, so mate, wrap off. A grown man. <laughs> a grown man. Yeah, yeah. A, an Italian grown man came up to me at the south end, just out the front here, and um, was saying, you know, you're beautiful. Are you a model? I want to shoot you. And I was like, oh, whatever. Like, sleazebag. As if, like, I'm not even remotely pretty and, you know, I've got these big boobs and rah. And um, anyway, then he showed me his portfolio and I, of course, was really into photography and art. He and had his portfolio down on the beach? He had his whole bag with him, his camera, everything. Yeah. Wow. He raced over and he grabbed me. He goes, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just being silly. Like, you've got to listen to me. You don't understand. Um, his name was Davide Tamarozzi. And I looked at his book and I was like, oh, my God, Vogue, you know, Levi campaigns like this. And I'd just seen this editorial at the time it was an old magazine like when I was a kid it was called Follow Me do you remember Follow Me? I don't know but let me just quickly explain in a yes. time before websites photographers actually had to carry around uh -huh. actual proof that had been printed in magazines they were called tear sheets so they yeah. would buy Vogue Italian or Vogue US or whatever the hell their magazine their page was they'd tear it out they'd put it in an old ring binder with uh, plastic sheets yep. to cover <laughs> and they would take it from place to place as their folio going see look I really am good I took these photos and so it's not uncommon that he would actually have, if he was traveling, he would probably have it with him. Just It's like a calling card. It's like a showreel. It's like exactly. a demo tape. Yeah. And so he pulls it out of his bag. We had he, to lug those things around too as models. I, I remember. Yes. I, I recall. <laughs> but So he pulls it out of his bag and you start going through these exactly. pay pages. So I flick through his, his um, portfolio and I see, you know, Italian Vogue and da, 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 a lot of a beautiful um, Italian editorial um, that I wasn't familiar with. But then I go, oh my God, I saw Levi's campaign. And then I saw this Follow Me editorial, which I had just been looking at as a amazing light in this shadow and like it's kind of stuff that I was trying to shoot myself with nature not with models but um I was just blown away that he was literally the artist whose work I was just admiring a couple of days before so I was like oh my god this guy's serious like me what do you mean you want me anyway I was like well I don't really I don't think I can model like I'm you know I'm bigger and and all these things and I said but I can help you with locations and I'd love to learn photography from you so then I went and did a couple of recce's with him and tried to help him and we got on like a house on fire and he ended up convincing me to do some shots. Um, so I started modelling. He wanted me and he's like, give up, you have to come, I want to make you a supermodel, you're amazing. And um, I was like, no, I'm going to be an artist. There's no way I'm going to be a model. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to teach art in third world countries and I'm going to be a fame exhibiting in New York and, you know, no way. So anyway... You're 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. What was the shoot? Do you remember it? My shoot with him. The very first time yes. you ever modelled. Yep, I remember it vividly. I should try and, yeah, I'll show you a photo of it. We ended up in Palm Beach. Which is in the very, very north of Sydney. If you've ever seen Home and Away, that's what Palm Beach is. Exactly. And he had me climbing on rocks and what were you wearing? dancing. I had these, because I used to wear like a lot of, well, not, I'm still wearing flares and midi stuff. 
probably pretty much what I'm wearing now. I had on some um, 70s flares um, and I was like dancing on the rock with no top on, just my like third eye. <laughs> and then I had these little shorts on and, a, and just a varied stuff. You just kind of like glazed over the fact <laughs> that you're 15 years old with your boobs out. Yeah. But was I was a hippie, fo- so I was used to that. Wow. I was brought up, you know, running around naked, so it didn't mean anything to me. Did you tell your parents or anything like this? Did, did they know that you were... I'm just like thinking from like, if you tried to get away with that now, hey, mom, there's this guy from overseas who showed me some photos and now I'm going to Palm Beach to take my top off. Well, I didn't realise I was taking... I think I was swimming or changing and then he said, oh, I just dance. So I said, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I wasn't really talking to my mom. Smooth time. talking Italian. <laughs> It's the accent. Just, I, just dance while your boobs are free. I, I, I will know, take photos I, of them undulating in the breeze. They didn't undulate. Thank you very much. We're quite perky. Um, so, no. Um, look, I've had not had an issue with... I mean, we're Australian. We all go topless on the beach and things like that. It wasn't an issue. And as you know, models... Um, but for your first shoot, sometimes yeah. it takes a little while for people to get comfortable with their... I've always been, yeah. Right. Well, so I was comfortable. You I had that. You had that comfort yeah. in your body. Yep. Even though you had no real concept of what you looked like to grown men. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. I, Do you remember I, the first time then that you noticed that men behave differently around you than other, other women? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was one of my mum's friend's husbands. It was really uncomfortable. And I didn't get it at all. Uh-huh. I just was like, what are they whinging about and screaming at me and kicking me out? And I had no idea. I just had no idea. And my mum was like, you know, put some more clothes on. I'm like, mum, it's 44 degrees. It's stinging up. It's bloody scorcher. What are you talking about? So, um, but I still didn't get it. Like the only time oh, so that... your, your mum's friends were around the house and you're not wearing much. You're wearing like short pants or... Yeah, singlet or... And some guy says something. Or his... was, no, he was just acting a certain way and his wife got jealous. Oh. And freaky. And, you know, I was 14. I mean... You've got no idea. No idea. you got absolutely, no idea. I was absolutely unaware of... Even, I mean, I have to say, like my friends still say, are you... Like not, how can you not see that they like... You know, I, you just... Yeah. yeah. I just don't... I don't know. I just don't focus on that and I never think that... People see me that way, so I don't. We're shallow, man. We shallow. Really, really are. We really are. I think Chris Rock said it. Chris Rock said it best. You know, like when I when I get you the door or when I get your bag for you, it's it's code for can I have sex with you? <laughs> Let me help you with that. No, I'm like everybody's so helpful and lovely, and everyone's like, um, yeah. I'm like, but they brought me lunch and they opened this and they flew me here, and I'm like, aren't they lovely? <laughs> and my sister was, oh, for God's sake, sis, when will you learn? Um, <laughs> but look. Yeah. Anyway, I still don't think I'm beautiful, babe. I think I'm a beautiful person. I think I'm fit and healthy, but I would never go, oh, I'm so hot. No. So what does it do then if you're, you're that, and I applaud you for, for feeling that way because it, it's an enormous amount of information coming your way that mm. I think when I was getting ready for this, I counted something along the lines of 21 or 22 sexiest woman alive lists you're at the top of. <laughs> You make me embarrassed. <laughs> at, at, come on, though. Like, at some point, you've got to realise that, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, how many have you been in? Oh, never. I think I once made uh, He Looked Okay on the Logies red carpet <laughs> la- last I night. I think you're lying. I think one, no, I'm, I'm no, lie, no, no lie, no lie. One time, one time. And I was wearing, like, a pink suit and I had blonde hair and I was insane. Remember the streaks? Huh? Remember your streaks? Oh, God, I was, <laughs> I was insane, darling. I was, in, I was insane. So, um, hey, babe, can I have some more tea? You want more tea? Please. Allow me. Sorry, Thank I'm you. a terrible host. I'm pouring Shocking. You, 
pouring. I only know this is a d- d- tea that has the rice floating in it. What's it actually called? Sencha. Gencha? Sencha. Sencha? Yeah. Oh, it's so. Japanese green tea with um, malted rice. So it's beautiful. So how did you turn – so that photo shoot obviously went rather well. Did you then take those photos and – what happened then? At what point? No, how quickly did representation come in? When did the, when did you realise this could I could make money out of this? Okay, so there after I went overseas as an exchange student, you know, Europeans we often do that. We do a year abroad, mm-hmm. um, and I went abroad. And at that time, I didn't speak a word of German, and I was thrust into this different culture and a gymnasium school, which was I think I was in a class two years. They were all two years older than me for some. I don't know how that happened, but. I was like, eh. like I didn't even understand mathematics in English, let alone in which city in Germany? Goslar. Where is that? In Hartz. It's like 100 kilometers south of Hanover, the first mountain range from the north. Wow, so cold. Freezing. Yeah, yeah. And it was an old witch's town. Of course. And it was, it was quite magical. It's like you know all those little tiny buildings with the you know, the, you know the white with the black. It was quite. Oh, it was quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I was staying at my what I called my cousin, but it was my nana's cousin's husband's, da 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 da, mm. da, da you know, someone who survived concentration camp. Yeah. And she was my age or two years older and my beautiful friend. And I stayed with them. At any rate, I was like, yeah, my mum is Annalise and that's all I knew. And it was rather overwhelming. And then I decided to go backpacking around Europe, whoops, and <laughs> take him up on an offer of doing a bit of modelling. So you kept in touch with a photographer? Yeah. And did you... Was so this I, like I decided to go backpacking around Europe, Europe also, I just kind of forgot to go back to high school? I didn't go back to high school for quite a while. Yeah. But I learned fluent German within a month. Yeah, right. Immersion. When you're a kid, go for it. Go, yeah. And yeah. But because the boy, this beautiful boy that I was seeing, who happened to be my pen pal of seven years, who I'd never, re- have never met but was madly in love with. Hang on. So you started writing <laughs> this guy at, what, nine? Yeah. So you started writing this guy at nine. About that, maybe younger, maybe seven. And you're writing back and forth how many times a year? Oh, heaps. Like, oh, it was my favourite thing to do was to write and we sent photos and, we, and I would <gasps> race down the 17 bloody K driveways of our farm to get to the, you know, to get to the letterbox. And See, this isn't a time when... No email. When you actually got things in your letterbox that weren't bills uh-huh. or pizza ads. Mm-hmm. Like it was an actual letter and if you're lucky... The person sprayed something on it so it smelled yep. nice. Or they put a leaf or a flower in there from their Feathers. home. And you could see their handwriting. Yep. And the little doodles they wrote on the outside. Yep. I still write letters. <sighs> I still do. I just posted about three or four off yesterday. Um, and so you're writing, you're building this relationship mm. with this with this Adrian, kid. who's Adrian. half Austrian, uh, half Swiss, half Aussie, but brought up in Bern in Switzerland. Oh. And I, you know, I don't remember how it happened, but his father owned Toblerone and God knows what. And, and the father who I was living with allowed me to go down and stay with him and his family and go hiking. In, so I did that. And then I, we fell madly enough. Next thing you know, I speak fluent German. Yeah. I learned it after like two weeks. So then I kind of, his father bought me a Ural pass and I went traveling and then I went and. Which is basically an all you can eat train pass. That's right. Around Europe. Yes. Yeah, so I was 14 and I was backpacking around on my own. <laughs> 14 uh, years old, 14 backpacking so around So when Europe. I first met Davi there, I was 14, not 15. So this is the late 80s? I think so. Late I'm 80s. 40. You're in a back, in a, with a backpack at 14, running yeah, around Europe late by 14, yourself. 14, nearly 15, yeah. Oh, that makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, can you believe it? I just can't believe it. Anyway, then I did a bit of modelling. But and hang I, on a second. Did okay. anything bad happen to you? Were you no. ever afraid of your life? No. Because I had Yumi in here the other day telling me about when she hitchhiked mm. uh, from 
Byron Bay to the tip of Queensland. Yeah. To the point where she had to get on a ferry to go to the Torres Strait. Yeah. She said not once did she ever feel for her life and not fear for her life and not once did anything that she didn't want to happen happen. Yeah. And not once did she experience anything but people wanting to be just really lovely to yeah, her. Same. It was amazing. I had everyone be incredible and open their homes to me and feed me and I tell a lot, I did have a scary experience in Barcelona. Barcelona. Um with a um, Albanian guy, like he stabbed, ended up stabbing me in the back of the knees. Um, that was the only thing, the only bad thing. Stabbing I- <laughs> counts. So sta- <laughs> for further reference, getting stabbed by an Albanian in Barcelona, I retract what I said. But there was only a little scratch. It's fine. I've just got to go and have an operation next Saturday on them. No, I'm not joking. I do, but it's fine. But that was the only <laughs> I think that died everything else. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> You're making me laugh, babe. Um, that was the only thing that happened, and I just put it down to he thought that my rainbow belt was a bum bag, and he's obviously poor, and he was trying to get money, and I didn't have it, and me running away, thought, nah, and then he was just chasing me, and I ran up the stairs, you know, in those old pensions. A spiral staircase. Mm. I ended up kicking him in the back of the head, and he fell down, and I got away, and I was fine, but I kind of got lacerated backs of knees. Yeah. Because he had a knife. Yeah. Oh, goodness yeah. me. Yeah, but that's the only bad thing that happened of me backpacking around at 14. It counts. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to let you know. <laughs> counts. <laughs> back to, back to modelling. I decided that I didn't want to do it. It was too superficial for me and too scary for me. And I was yeah. like, eh. I just, yeah, no, I want to go back, finish school, go to uni and definitely stick to my thing of being an artist. Uh-huh. So I did do that. I went back home, finished, went to Kofa, did a double major in jewellery and sculpture. And Kofa is a college of fine art. Yeah. I'm I assuming that was quite difficult to get into. It was. What did you have to do? Um, <laughs> blag, I guess. I got in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it was just, it was, I mean. Like, I, you basically, you can't talk your way in there. You have to go, and I made this. Yeah, And then a, exactly. a, a it's, group it's a of visual... people look at it and go, exactly. you've got to get three out of five yeses. Like, I'm guessing, like, I it's a fit. Yeah, they only let in 27 people in my year. So, it was really competitive. Far out. I was scaled down at that time when I did my HSC, we, there was a scaling system. I'm sure it's changed. HSC is the grade 12. It's like your SATs in America or what yeah. are we, OP in Queensland. It was a TE. It's basically the school. High school certificate. The high school grade that you get yeah. that determines which university you won't go to in my yeah. experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was all of them. Oh, no. Yeah, really? I, I ended up, no, it's my story is another story. But yeah, I, 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 I failed high school because I didn't try. Yeah. So therefore, yeah, and anyway, yeah. there's a lot of other things going on. So what was your experience like at art school? I'm imagining it was like after the being in the, the you know, the Pink Floyd, the wall kind of state school mm. experience, then Europe, it might have felt a little more comfortable being surrounded by 26 oh. other people who were like, beautiful. we're just here to create things. It was beautiful. I loved it. And I met two of my best friends who are still two of my best friends, Bill Granger, the chef, and Muffin Green, who is a set designer doing extraordinarily well in the UK now, who I'm proud to be his god godmother to his kids wow um and it was beautiful and nurturing and just fun to be able to play with you know art day in day out and i i loved it i was happy as larry who is larry by the way he's a he's i would imagine probably the most content man on earth because everyone's referring to him all the time and at peak moments i I want to know i want to meet this somewhere larry's like (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) Somewhere Larry's got the, you know, he's got a cool drink and the warm sunshine on his back while he's watching his friends do wonderful things. And he's like, yep, I'm, I'm here and you are too. So j- just on art school, a lot of people yeah. might wonder what goes on there. And from what, 
my tiny amount of experience with with artists. I live in Venice Beach, which has got a lot of yeah people that look like they should be homeless but are multimillionaires yes. because they throw things at canvas and other people will buy them for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes. And I, it would kind of shock me to learn that art school isn't really about here's what you do with a paint and a pen and, no. and a canvas. It's more – it's almost a psychological yep. uh, adjustment to free your consciousness into flowing directly through whatever medium you want to do to create something. Mm. Now, was there an unlocking for you during that process? You'd always been a creative person, mm. but do you have any moments like, oh, right? No, I actually found it um, – I guess not saying the opposite would be too harsh, but I found that they were very um, judgmental um, mm. and they wanted to niche you into a, I guess, a, a lot of the time I had criticism about my artwork that was, oh, it's too happy, it's too, um, you know, rainbowsy, it's too, or whatever it was. And that's me. So mm. that was a true, you know, extension of me and I said well why and I'll never forget this um I had come back from Nepal checking Annapurna and I you know I love Nepal and India and it had made a massive impact on me and you know I practiced yoga and so I was doing and back then it wasn't popular like it is now um but I was doing all this body art like um uh, flowers and sunshine um with paper mache kind of Indian inspired but so, so art, artwork that wraps around the hand and you kind exactly. of it's a jewelry art piece well, exactly yeah. wearable art which is then my jewelry design kind of connects but it was exactly so it was sunflowers which at the time i was obsessed with and sun and mandala um and i still love sunshine i mean gosh it's me so it's pretty interesting 20 years later i'm still doing this <laughs> but she was saying to me you know it's so commercial and you know you want to do something like you know that says something really about you you know like a sheep's heart in formaldehyde in a test tube right you know like something that says something and I just looked at her and I said I'm vegan um I you know this I don't eat meat um I'm organic biodynamic I don't believe in pesticides let alone formaldehyde that does not represent anything to do with me whatsoever this does. Yeah. I'm different. <laughs> like, let me express myself differently. I get it. So, you know what I mean? It was just, it was, they were trying to conform me to be unconformist. Yeah. In a way. Um, but in saying that, I had some wonderful, wonderful lectures as well, uh, mm-hmm. particularly my art theory. Um, she was amazing. And she was, she just, you know, we did a lot of um, dream analysis with, you know, Jungian theory with this. And, you know, it was inter- so interesting. Would you recommend time. art school to people? If you're artistic, absolutely. I loved it. I thought it was a beautiful luxury to be able to have all those facilities and have people who could help you with the practical side. Because for me, it wasn't about the inspiration of the way of thinking because I was lucky enough to have that at Steiner School. I found that kind of way less open-minded uh-huh. than Steiner School, but I had kilns and people telling you if you put that at this, that, you know, and helping me with ceramics and just like, yay, play school, Got like it. stuff on hand or, you know, learning how to weld or things like that just there and, and fantastic facilities. I just had the flash dance moment. I'm just thinking of you <laughs> in the welder's helmet, lighting up the torch with a cigarette. <laughs> Pretty awesome. So one, one thing that, you know, when, when you mention your name, mm. People always have a because you 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 are in the public eye and very very highly uh, visible in the public eye. Yeah. Um, did the your experience with dealing with criticism at art school at all prepare you for the criticism that you'd experience putting yourself out in the public as 
you know, that you would experience later in your life? You know what? It did. And I hadn't really thought about that until you pointed that out right now. I was really criticized by um, this. I had two bad experiences there. One was a teacher who would give me 49.5% on everything and then see me after hours and we'll talk about it with a bottle of red and a candle. Um, and I'm just, I don't understand. I'm getting high distinctions and everything else, but I just get 40. Anyway, he got suspended. Um, and the other was a woman who was like, you know, don't wear such tight clothes and don't wear this. And, and I'm like, I'm laving. Why am I going to wear caftans? I've got my arms ripped off. Like, what has my clothing got to do with my art? And then I realized that, yeah, yes, people will criticize, oh, it's too commercial, it's this or whatever. Um, and it hurt me a lot. You know, but I just at that point was like, I just got to be positive. I just got to do my own thing. I've got to know who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm here. I'm different. But I've had that my whole life, babe. You know, I've always been that and I've always had to deal with that. To the point of where the first time I was ever introduced to you, that yep. was how I was introduced to you. What? We were at some kind of jobs fair or something. We were at some theatre in Haymarket in Sydney or something. It was my first year at Channel V or my second year at yep. Channel V. Terrified. Yeah. I was. Oh, I used to be so afraid of people. I can't even yeah, tell you. So really? I was in this room of people, completely feeling worthless that I didn't belong there. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'd, that one. <laughs> I'd interviewed. I'd interviewed Aya Larkin, who was the lead singer from uh, a, Skunk Hour? A, a Australian funk oh, band called Skunk Hour. From uh, you'll find them on YouTube. And he was the only person in the room that I knew. And there's all these people from Neighbours and Home and Away, like all these really famous Australian actors and actresses, and you were there, and we were about to walk out in front of 3,000 high school kids to tell them about why you want to have a career or, or something like that. And I said, I found Aya. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, hey, how you doing? That was totally weirded out. I was like, oh, my God, is that Annalise? Oh, he said, so yeah, do you want to meet her? I said, oh, all right. <laughs> I had no idea. I said, is she all right? And he, his words were, she cops a lot of shit, but she's the loveliest woman. Aww. And that's how he introduced you because Aww, he could, bless. he knew that when people looked at you, yeah. there was a, a, a dialogue in the public about who you were. You were, yep. had this enormously high profile. You were mm. putting out these very high selling calendars mm. every year. You mm. were the face of so many fashion campaigns. Mm. You were on every bloody magazine, mm. it seemed, and every editorial. Mm. And yet people were unkindly mean to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. It got, look, you know what? I remember at the time, um, I just was like, people's, I guess, stereotypes. It really, it taught me not to stereotype, long story short, because I would just, I would just be like, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm Norwegian. I've got naturally blonde hair. I've got boobs. They're real. Thanks, mum and dad and mother. You know, it's like, I just, because I'm blonde with large boobs and I work as a model, does not mean I am dumb. Does not mean because I've got fame that I'm a nasty person. I knew at that point what how I rolled, you know, internally, you know, spiritually, all those things. And I just took that as a like almost like a caricature, you know. Or the girl I actually refer and I still do to myself when I see myself in, you know, covers or posters or whatever as she. So when I'm editing shots, I'm like, yeah, she looks a bit you know, whatever. Like, I don't even look at it as myself because the real me, you know me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now what's fantastic is years and years, 20 years later, however long it's been and with with the grace of, um, I guess, the way media and everything has changed and now the fact that things are a lot more apparent. People 
can't help but see the real me now. Yes. And now that's amalgamated. Now, hey, bam, here I am. And it's it's kind of nice to come full circle. And I have I have girls come up to me and kind of go, oh, my God, I feel so terrible. I used to slag you off and you're so lovely and I love your love lunch and thank you and your bras are amazing. You know, it just goes on and it's like, it's okay, honey. Cream rises, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just hearing you talk about that, you must have had – you must have been bulletproof. There uh, must, like, no, 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 no. It hurt. I don't get me wrong. I am. I call myself a mushhead. I am so sensitive, babe. I used to wake up on Sunday mornings and because remember the you know back in the day it used to be newspapers on the Sunday yeah, and the yeah. gossip pages were huge. Yeah. People used to look and I said, oh God, what have I been up to this week? You know, fictitious. And I'm like, they are, they should be creative writers. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, oh, I like that one. I was rude to the, oh, I was on heroin that week. Oh, got married then. I mean, it was just like one time I was cheating on my boyfriend with this hot guy. The hot guy was my brother. I'm like, oh, so now we're incestuous, are we? Like, you know. <laughs> Far out. Yeah. And how did you, how did you deal with those days? Because I'm, I ask you this because mm. I'm sure maybe not everyone's getting them things written about them in a newspaper mm. but if you scale that like mm. everything's relative if you scale yeah. that to someone's getting maybe bullied online or yeah. you know in their workplace or like you're dreading turning up to work because mm. oh, these things that are true are being said about me mm. and I'm, don't they know like how did you like, is this your answer will i'm sure relate to a lot of people if they you know scale it back to their reality or up to their reality wherever they may be yeah how did you deal with that Initially, I didn't deal with it that well. I dealt with it very emotionally and I took it so personally and I got rattled by it. Um, but with time and with my knowledge of meditation and yoga, having a really good sweat, getting it out, and then just knowing, okay, which goes back to so much in our life, of the differentiation of your rational self and your irrational self, so ego or not. Um, why, okay, if I know the truth of the situation and between me and the universe or me and God or me and that person, whatever, we know the truth, it does not matter what they say because you know your truth and that's the vibration and you've just got to, just got to be f- strong with that because I've had, an, I've had been bullied, I've had girls make, and guys make up stuff about having been with me when they haven't been with me and this is something that's really, really, really hurt me quite a lot and several times and one particular time a guy said it big whatever I'm used to it it's like yeah I was like good you know um but my friend got really really upset and believed it and didn't talk to me for two and a half years so I I and that just made me you know go into this incredible panic and and now when someone doesn't communicate with me or whatever I'm like oh my god they've heard a room and I have to go no be strong you know the truth it's eventually cream rises eventually the truth and you've just got to just know and just get on with it and breathe and interim things to help you through that for me and meditation and yoga and training like a bitch <laughs> I, I wish that you'd i'd heard you tell that to me the day i met you yeah <laughs> <laughs> because i i did the other thing which was oh maybe if i drink really heavily uh this feeling of believe and and you know if i maybe if i take whatever they've written personally as if it were actually true mm. and then drink really heavily oh, maybe sweetheart. that'll make it go away i know and it didn't <laughs> <laughs> i know i i know i've definitely obliterated myself but that's more thing you know like losing my dad or a friend or whatever i mean you know no one's drinking heavily does help sometimes babe <laughs> Uh, well, we think it does. It doesn't temporarily. help me anymore. Thank God. Um, so, I'm so lucky because that was my solution. My solution was right. how do I 
I feel I couldn't differentiate what you're saying, the way that you were able to make that separation. I'm mm. only just making that mm. separation. I had right. to go through all of that and I had to go through a divorce and I had to go through all that. Right. Uh, it took what it took. It is yep. where it is. And I can honestly say right now I'm, I'm the happiest I've been in years, Yay. even after everything that I've been through. Yep. Because I had to come to that realization I needed these lessons to learn. Yep. I, Absolutely. I was stubborn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I can... After doing a fair bit of research, I had the lab coat and everything. I can tell you that the uh, aforementioned taking it all personally and uh, trying uh, to drink your way out of it doesn't work. No, <laughs> negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can honestly, honestly say that. But I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful you can, you can share that because mm. anyone that listens to this that knows your story and knows the things that have been mm. said about you, if they just personalize for a second, try to imagine what it would feel like to have those things said about them and it's hearing the way you described getting around it, I hope that people can find enormous value in that. Yeah. I really do. But it, at the same it actually became comical and it it did in turn help me deal with then real dramas in my life, such as losing my father to cancer, such as losing my dear friend, um, because you just put in a perspective and you go, no, you know what, guys, <laughs> seriously, it's okay. Like there's, you know, first of all problems. Let's get on with it. Let's be bigger. Let's be stronger. Let's be brave. Let's, you know, not that. Emotional stuff is ever first world problems. I just mean, you know, reading about yourself. I just had to just put it in mm. to perspective of my ego being hurt by what people are misunderstanding and misinterpreting me is nothing compared to losing someone or, you know, someone you love being ill, you know, and then just move on and upwards and get on with it kind of thing. I'm sure that while not everyone has, you know, had that happen to them by having a photograph taken of them and, and misattributed, well, maybe more so now in, in, you know, when you can't control who posts stuff about you on mm. Facebook, but mm. in your social circle or in your mm. circle of, of, of what's important to you, I'm sure many people have had that experience where, mm. you know, a photo gets out or, or something and someone says something about you that's not real mm. and then other people react, especially mm. in this age of social networking. Yeah. So I'm oh, sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And like we said before we started recording, they, you know, they tackle hard in the NFL. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I think about some of the stuff that's been written about me, and I'm like, really? Have that's, you heard bad stuff written about you? That's fascinating. Yeah. Really? But some of it. I've was never more, read anything. I, mean, some I don't of read it anything. Was more <laughs> due to me not having full control of my mouth when it started talking. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you couldn't really blame anyone else but yourself. Precisely. Right. At the time, I tried to, but right. these days are right. very, very different. Right. These days are very, <laughs> very, very, very different. Um, one of the things that, what I said at the start of this was really interested to have you here because I'm sure there were many people that you, you started with, and I've, I've had some experience with people who in the remodeling industry as an aspiring photographer, as someone who's had their photo taken and as someone who's... Uh, being married to someone who was the face of campaigns and like really seeing how it all worked, all worked, mm, all worked, all mm. worked. What is it like when you think about what the women that you started with doing and mm. you would see each other on the shoots all the time, you'd be at the same castings, you just kind of work, you work in this kind of team. When you see what they're doing now versus what you're doing, what are your mm. thoughts? Um, I, I'm so grateful that I've eaten organic and vegetarian my whole life <laughs> because when I was younger, you know, I'm naturally, I'm, I'm not, a rake by any stretch of the imagination and I have a penchant for food. I have an appetite like a horse. You know, when I met my dad, he was like, where does it go? You have hollow legs. Like <laughs> all my friends just can't believe how much I eat. Um, and at the time, you know, I'd be training in the gym and doing all my, you know, exercise and my yoga and extraordinarily jealous of these other girls who just get on it and smoke ciggies and drink Coke and all that stuff that I didn't do. 
and they were just so skinny. And I was like, oh, you're so effortlessly skinny. I'm so jealous that I'd be hating, not hating them, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to a 40th recently and I didn't recognise half of, I did not recognise half the people. Wow. So I was like, you know what? It's a blessing. Thank you, universe. Again, something that when I was younger, I was really disliking the fact that I had to train to keep fit. I'm so grateful now because I've, you know, been exercising and eating well and eating organic and not eating meat my whole life. And I think it really makes a difference. So I'm pretty grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still modeling. I'm still working. I was doing a shoot the other day with a girl who's 20 and I'm like, um, I've been in this industry as long as you are old. This is weird. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. When you see young models, yeah. what, do you, what do you say to them? Or do they come to you for advice? Or what do you, what yeah. do you say to these women? Oh gosh. I always say the same thing what I've said the whole time. So you've got to understand when I started, I was told you, you, you know, okay. When, after I came back from Europe and then I was at university and I got scouted again mm -hmm. and I got, I did a, a Speedo commercial. I remember I got 10 grand or something, amazing amount of money at the time. Colossal amount of cash for a student. Back then, yeah. I was starving arts. I'm literally at art accommodation going down to Govinda's for the second day old food with my bucket because I couldn't afford to eat because I was saving up to pay, especially jewellery, as you can imagine. Govinda's is a Krishna place where you can, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, get to know all you can eat like $7 a plate kind of place. Yeah, and then they give homeless people day old food the next day for free. And so I was in line with them eating. That's I was so broke. So to be offered ten grand or something along those lines to walk naked away from the camera for a speedo commercial, I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> um, and then I was offered Inside Sport, and I won Model of the Year. But that's I'll go into how I restarted modelling in a second. So then I was told to go down to see this agent. I'm not going to say who she is. From this photographer who said you've got to get down there. And I went in there and I said, look, I've been told by this photographer to come and see you. Um, and she just looked at me and she went, oh, sorry. And then the head of the agent said, yes, 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 come, come, come. I'm going to saw me on the beach at the same time. Go into the agency. And the booker says, um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what are we going to do about those tits and that ass? You've got a great face, honey, but until you lose some weight, mm, I don't think so. Like that, not joking. And I was, like, <laughs> and I was like, well, if I'm not, any, if I wasn't stronger in myself, I would have become have an eating disorder. I would have. Yeah. And right. I was like, you know what? I'm healthy. I train. I'm not going to lose any weight because this is me, and this is, a, you know. And I just was resolute in the fact that I was going to not starve myself and not give myself an eating disorder and not look like Kate Moss, who had just come out, who was all the trend. Clearly, I looked nothing like her. She's absolutely stunning and waif-like. But I made a career for myself being the curvy girl. So I was different. It wasn't on trend at the time, mm -hmm. but I still made it. And, and that proved to be okay as well to be different. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think in this day and age, I'd probably – so my word to all these girls is please do not forego your health no matter what. That's what really, really upsets me is when they just, you know, eating disorders or, you know, ne beating themselves up negatively um, to the point of, you know, I mean, gosh, depression and all those things. Because now, back then we didn't have retouching. You know, you had to be healthy and fit and trim and look good on set. Now, a lot of the stuff that people are comparing themselves to is digital. It's not real. They've chopped off half a leg. They've removed bags. It's not real. So you can't beat yourself up and compare yourself to this and success, as you know, is not necessarily because the other one's prettier. It's because she's got Instagram likes and it could, she could be in the right place at the right time. There's all different mm. thing, aspects to it. It's not because you're not as good as someone else if your success isn't as much. So does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It, 
it, it truly does. Before we get out of here, you are not only someone who uh, has a career in front of a camera. Mm. Um, you are you're an actress. You've mm. been nominated for a Logie, which mm. is the, like the Australian Emmy for your acting. I, I would like to talk about that, but we may have to talk about that another time because I think what's really, really important is to talk about how you have transitioned into an entrepreneur who is creating a revenue stream around your brand of who you mm. are. Mm. At first, you had a great relationship with a company called Bras and Things, which mm-hmm. does what it says on the box. Mm-hmm. They sell bras and things, mm-hmm. and you were creating... Designing lingerie. For Designing l- lingerie. For larger cup sizes. <laughs> for larger cup sizes. And well, can and you just say, you're welcome at the end of that sentence, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tell you how. You're welcome. You're Thank you. Say you're and, welcome. And then... Um, <laughs> And now you're working with uh, a retail chain here in Australia called Big W, which is uh, it, it's a, it's a very it's a broad market. Uh, you know, this is like real I guess stuff. it's like our Target. We I mean yeah, we have Target here like, as well. It's, yeah, but. it's like so along the lines of like a, a competitor to Target. Yes. So we'll talk about the lingerie thing in a second. But yeah. what is it when you approach something like that? Approaching a whole range, mm. uh, designing of, of range. Like how do you? You said you sketch everything out. Like what's mm. your when? How did the relationship come between you and Big W? Um, that came because I have had six years now with very successful Australian label with bras and things. I just want to tell you how that came about because Please. that came about because um, and obviously not petite in the bus department. Um, and I was never able to find a bra that fitted me that was cute. It was just like Nanaba bras with, you know, beige straps. And so I'd just not wear a bra or I'd wear a bikini top because, and it was terrible. And then you'd squish into something if you could find it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I spent half my time modeling lingerie mm-hmm. and I just want to design something that I personally want to wear and can't find. Um, so I decided and I thought, well, that kind of combines my modeling career, my public persona, and yay, my art. You can use your degree. <laughs> I can use my degree. <laughs> my, my art school. Um, and I can draw and sketch. And I proposed, I went to, into my agency and I said, look, I really want, I want to do more. I want to contribute more. I don't just want to be a model. I'm going nuts. Like mm. I'm so grateful for it. It's great money, I know. But I can't do it anymore. I need to contribute more. And she just looked at me like I was a nutter, but I just kind of reached this epiphany. And I was like, I want to do I want to contribute to society and that's how Love Lunch came about as well. Mm-hmm. We'll probably need another three podcasts to get through this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Annalise yeah. used to, I'll just say very quickly, Annalise used to make a, de- a food delivery service and so um, every day for lunch people would eat food that she made. You'd go around to her house and pick it up yeah. and it was and the it was yummiest delivery. ever. It was vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free. It was amazing. Mm. So you pitched bras and things? Did you pitch a bunch of different people? I pitched um, to a company prior to that. That fell through. And then we, we went to the first company. They said yes. Started working with them and then they went under. So then went to Bras and Things. And Which is massive. It's like 200 stores across Australia no, and New Zealand. 500. 500 no, stores yeah, across. Yeah. Well, they need, or they need four, to, something like they that. They need to update their website. Do they? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I did my homework. Oh. Uh, so it's massive. A massive company across Australia and New Zealand. Exactly. Uh, make, make a lot of money. Yeah. They make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it did really well. And you know what? It was – I just – was designing Were they things. receptive? Like the idea was like, I'm going to design it, I'm going to be the face of it and we're going to sell it in your Oh, and, your oh no, no, no. I just said, I want to design, yeah, I want to do beautiful, you know, fashion forward with a retro twist, gorgeous stuff, big boobs, but like not big necessarily larger, not plus size. Like mm. girls with little, like me, I've got size eight back and E boobs. Every time you refer to your boobs, I want you to know I that know. my <laughs> eyes, 
My eyes are <laughs> never leaving your They're gaze. Not. They're not. <laughs> I have not looked down once. I've known him for a long time. He's my darling friend. So I don't think you've ever looked down. Have you just on the slide when I'm not looking? <laughs> I have not looked down once. I have maintained eye contact for this entire interview. I just want to point that out. You're welcome. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, so Gosh, sorry. What was, the, anyway. what was the reception when you first, when did you know, obviously the relationship doesn't go for six years if it doesn't work. Yeah. What was the reception like to the first season? What was oh, it, it went amazingly well. And it was wonderful. And I just felt like I had, yeah, it was awesome. Um, particularly the, the, the head designer I used to collaborate with, she was amazing and supportive, Rachel um, Underwood, her name is. She was a legend. Anyway, so it was just a great process. I realised I am doing something I love yeah. and that is helping women. Like, you know, you just don't understand. Like young girls who previously couldn't do sport, didn't want to, you know, women who didn't feel comfortable in front of men, like all sorts of things. When you've, you know, it's helped women and that makes me feel so happy I can't tell you babe like I can't tell you apart from the fact that it's easy for me it, my collections come to me like that yeah. um, with my travel I can be inspired and I go boom and I can you know um, generally lingerie kind of happens about a year later than stuff that's on the catwalk and it's a more mainstream market you know so uh -huh. I'm obviously a little bit more alternative I have to water that down a little bit by the time I've designed something it's a year later it's more mainstream by then uh -huh. so it's just been really successful wow um, process and one that I love I adore and I love being able to help out women so you so you've got a new relationship with a, a brand called big W yeah uh, which is I guess like an Australian target competitor yeah it's a big retail it's 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 in the shopping malls everywhere it's like this is where you mm. you buy clothes yeah um, and you are you're about to design a, a whole collection for them? What are you designing for them? Yeah, no, I've, I've designed several already. I'm about to launch my first sleepwear collection mm -hmm. with them, which is so exciting. Um, and it's a summer capsule. And then I'll have a new collection every six weeks in February. I'm going to be dropping lingerie. Um, and that will continue on. And then I'm like Kanye West in February, I'm going to be dropping <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to drop swimwear next summer so that's very 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 exciting goodness me yeah that I'm, is i'm over the moon how amazing for yeah. you yeah uh, I'm, I'm so grateful i'm so grateful and to be so i'm guessing the bras and things thing came to a close yeah and this came at the end of that exactly right so i've moved on because now i have you know the opportunity to do sleepwear as well as laundry mm -hmm. as well as in the future swimwear yeah um again all with annalise branding which is you know, specializing in larger cup sizes um yeah. eco-friendly twists you know recycled cardboard swing tags wow um you know organic wherever possible it's not 100 percent eco-friendly it can't be microfibers and things like that you can't but in my opinion and every little bit counts um and even if you're making a small you know, a bit of difference in that volume. Yeah. You know, when you're running 20,000 items, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Um, and I'm stoked to be, able to, to, be, to be able to work with and, you know, to be mainstream. <laughs> Super. Yeah, they totally are. Like, to go into Big W is the uh, – that's like we're on commercial radio if yeah. we're a, a pop song. Yeah. But basically, we're in prime time yeah. if we're a TV show. Uh -huh. That is what it is to be uh -huh. in that store. It is an enormous achievement, an enormous okay. achievement. Um, not to mention your jewellery design, yeah. uh, which you are wearing f seven pieces of today. You buy that – you can buy that in stores or you just buy it through your that's website? That's on my website um, predominantly and in selected boutiques. Okay. Um, however, I have to be honest with you, it's – I haven't given that as much 
love and effort yet. Mm. Not in designing. I had mine on, but I took it off to go for a run because it jiggles around. Jiggles around. It annoys me. You know, <laughs> Jingling, baby. You're not going to run with a jiggly hand bracelet. I really like it. <laughs> it's really nice. Thank you. But I, <laughs> you're welcome. I took it off because I went for a run. Yeah. I'm, I have to get someone onto that to start getting that into more. Yeah, right. But I've got a lot of boutiques interested, which is fantastic, and uh-huh. I will get – I'll ramp that up. I've got actually some American um, buyers interested in stores in LA and, and New York. So that's next level. Obviously, just getting – my um, sleepwear out there and my yeah. lingerie has been a priority. I know you have to go, but mm-hmm. here's the things I want to talk to you about next yep. time. Yep. I want to talk to you about cooking. Yes. Because you are an amazing chef. Thank you. And I'd like to have us chat about how people could, just some few small things that people could do to, to change. I love that. Their, like, I also want you to tell me the story or think up a way you can tell me the story. It doesn't even have to be true. Yeah. How your husband fought his way to the top of the mountain <laughs> And at the top of the mountain, <laughs> and he fought his way like that scene where Russell Crowe's against the German army in Gladiator, and there's fireballs coming, and he he dives, and there's an engagement ring on your finger. <laughs> I want to know how that happened. Okay. And finally, before you go, because I only have to leave. Yeah. Do a please a public service for me and for every man that has tried and failed miserably to buy lingerie for yes. his girlfriend, yeah. wife, future wife. Lover. Lover. What are some things we need to know? What's the simple? Give us, give me the, the simplest thing. You need to buy one of my collect, my my pieces. Precisely. <laughs> okay. No, the main thing to know is. What's the trick? Like, do you have to go through the knickers drawer when they're not in town and go? Yes, you go through. Okay, so firstly, you know what kind of lingerie or underwear reflects a person just as it does with you. You've got your comfortable daywear stuff. You've got your practical girl. So if you don't find any crotchless knickers in the underwear drawer. Don't buy her crotchless knickers. Don't buy her crotchless knickers because if she hasn't got them, she hasn't got them for a reason. That's correct. If she's a Brazilian bum kind of girl, you get a Brazilian bum. But then, yeah, at the same time, I think you just get her size, you know, figure out what kind of colors and things like that she likes. And then you can, she might not have what she ideally likes because she might not be able to afford it. So you can splash out and get something. But, But yeah, you wouldn't buy something completely against her personality is my opinion and no diggings no scratching and no synthetic is right. another little hint and what about when you go in the store what should you because you get in there and you're just overwhelmed because as a man you're trained so to cute. have a certain physical reaction something like this <laughs> yeah your, your body just goes Whoa, I'm I... surrounded by all this wonder everywhere and I'm fantasizing about and there's posters of girls not wearing much everywhere and you oh I'm the only man in here and it's scary yeah I can imagine it would be intimidating and yeah. the girls the girls used to always say they're very cute they're like oh my god the guys come in and just get a bit sweaty and oh. look I think the best thing to do is get her sizing check out her, her sizing in her drawer sneak in there I think to not cause any embarrassment you might want to go online get the same sizing have a look at it and know exactly what you want or go to a specialist store and say this is what she's like Help me. Could you take a photo of her in there? Can you tell a lot about what kind of underwear yeah. a woman wants to wear if just by yes. the look on her eye? I like your dedication. I'm asking serious. Yeah, well, I can. I yeah. can. I mean, I, I'm completely can. Right. I can. Same as I can tell someone, oh, I bet you she's, you know, this star sign or whatever. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm... So do you then look at women and go, uh-huh, I know what's underneath. <laughs> I know what's underneath that pants suit. <laughs> I know there's a suspenders you and there's a whole box of dice going <laughs> yeah, on over there. I know. It's so funny. I look at someone and I, I'm, I'm now I'm just so, you know, passe um, about boobs and I see, you know, double line. I'm, this, I'm like, oh, she lays. I'm like, honey, you know, if you, you should be wearing an E, you're probably wearing attention. She goes, what? I'm like, sorry, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and I like feel a boobs. I'm just like, I look at it like art now and it's like, no, they have to be held up properly and you need, you know, something to support you and you can have a little beautiful strap, not a big beige. You know, I'm just, I can definitely tell. 
Um, yes, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just asking because I know blokes want to, you know, they they might see something uh, when they're on the internet, for example, and they're like, you know what would be great? I'd love it if my girlfriend, Girl. wife, lover, yeah. whoever it is that I have sex with yes. would wear something like that. Yeah. But then sometimes it's like maybe she's not into that. Yeah. So how well, do you look, bridge that You know that what? I think as a woman – I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty hilarious. A guy will always like the little tight black dress, and well, not always. There's a certain type of guy, and you know, the raunchy lingerie. Whereas the girl wants the baggy boyfriend jeans and a cute little silk top and something on trend. You know, there's girls' clothes and there's boys' clothes. There's girls' lingerie, and then there's lingerie that the boys like. And there's not many women who like uh, to wear the lingerie that the boys like. The you know, the quintessential sleazy kind of tacky stuff. You mean I've been lied to by? Posters and pictures in magazines. Most possibly, probably yes. Uh, so but what, there's what, a time so, and a place for that. That is a lot of that lingerie, which is designed specifically to put on to be taken off immediately thereafter. And then okay. you've got lingerie that a girl would like to wear, which generally you like to be in all day. I would much hang- rather buy that kind. When, yes. So she's at work and she's like, she's like, yay, this bra is really comfy. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because well, the man that I love thought enough about me to, to do his exactly. research and figure it out. And geez, my boobs feel good. Yep, that's well, an me- Annalise. That's an Annalise. Let me type out my email while I'm thinking about how much he cares for me and that he figured out exactly what I like to wear because that's going to get you laid way more than the, the thing it. with the bows on it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just saying. Just, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, my darling, um, you have been so generous with how much you have uh, been forthcoming with your tale today and I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so lucky um, that I'm I know lucky. you and you've been in my life a long time now. I know. You really have. It's been over 10 years, like 12 I years. Have, I think it's even more. I was, we were children yes. when we met. <laughs> children, darling. 12. Um, I'm just really I have to say equally, I'm, I'm honored to be here and even though you're half of the time on the other side of the world, <laughs> you are a beautiful part of my life and right. I'm very, very proud of you for everything you've achieved. Let's, uh, I'm going to take your photo. Okay. Which is kind of dramatic because you do this for a living and I do it for fun. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought to edit that. Okay. Annalise.com.au, A-N-N-A-L-I-S-E.com.au. The Twitter is Annalise with love. No. No? That, that's um, um, Instagram. Instagram is Annalise with, with love. love. I'm not really into Twitter that much, but it is A-B Rockenzik. So, capital A-B. And then my last name. So let's just do the, the Instagram then. Yeah, yeah. And then fa- and my Facebook page, Annalise Brackenzik. I'll put a link But there's on quite it. a few fake ones on there. So how do we determine which is the real me? You make yours an official one. So how you do make I do it a Facebook it's, Mine's page. a public page. Yeah. Well, just, so that, is that the only one? You so just write, this is official. Oh, okay. Here I am. And you, i tell you how you make it. You make a little photo of you holding it up with the URL written on it. Uh, That's how they do it on Reddit anyway. Okay. And you go, yeah, this is actually my page. Here right. Because, yeah, there's some fakies. The other one's Pretty fake. annoying. Yeah, that's okay. There's probably still fake, a fake MySpace page of me floating around. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, remember MySpace? <laughs> I remember MySpace. All right. All right, darling, thank you so much for Let's having do it. me. You're going to go to lunch. Okay.